Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. We can collectively heave a huge sigh of relief. Spring is here! Gardens up and down the UK are revealing glimpses of the season to come and this gentle crescendo of colour will only get better as the weeks and months pass by. Snowdrops, aconites, cyclamen and hellebores will gradually give way to irises, crocuses, daffodils and fritillaries. These displays, whilst diminutive in stature, are brazen in colour. And let's not forget the more sizeable camellias, azaleas and rhododendrons, along with forsythias, shenomalies, wisteria, cherries, lilacs and a plethora of other less mainstream plants. As spring unfurls, we're in for a guaranteed sensory bombardment. With discussions about all these plants and many more on the cards, join us now as we transport you into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello, Saul. It's a, uh, do you know, it's actually a bit of a soggy evening here in Colchester. Uh, rather soggy than, Essex. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a bit of an oxymoron, that, isn't it? doesn't quite work. But, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were, we were talking before the record button was pressed about the weather. We're going to carry on talking because you guys would be disappointed if we didn't talk about the weather at some point. So we're going to go straight in there this time. We're British yes. and we're gardeners. I always think because we're British and we're gardeners, that makes it that we should doubly talk about the weather. Yeah, it's like essential, it's oxygen to us. If we can't exactly. do it, we, d- we just fade and wither and go grey and die. So we're going to talk about the yeah. weather. In the Essex, has had some beautiful rain. I, I think it's like April and May have had a little chat with each other. Yeah. And they've done a swap because we had no rain in April. And then May is making up for it in abundance. We've had, in the last couple of days, we've just had, we've had 13, 14 mil in, in Fingering Hoe. And that for us, is a, it's, that's a good amount. So, okay. You know, the slugs are out, but my God, the plants are loving it. So I'm I'm content. I haven't got to be irrigating or worrying that yields or bulking up things are going to be slow. It's it's all just brilliant. Yeah, same same here. It, just going into June, that's the thing that I am grateful for a bit because, as you say, April was so dry. I was worried because mm. May can be quite dry, generally. Yeah. So going into June, we were going to start getting to the point where you can start seeing the stress on the lawns and the plants and the veggie garden. And we'd have to be out there with sprinklers and all sorts, which I don't really, I, you know, I don't enjoy doing that kind of thing. You know, if you're spending half your day trying to sort out watering cans and sprinklers, mm. that's not really the joyful part of the the Are whole experience sure? of gardening. A twisted not- hose pipe having to untangle that for hours <laughs> upon end. Are you saying that's not fun? Because... I would have to question that judgment. <laughs> Not. Do you know, just trying to find, just trying to find the hose pipe at Stonelands is the is the half the day. Where's the hose pipe, oh. Nigel? Oh, I don't know where we put it last I year. I reel mine all up in the and label them all in the winter, and then we've got them all out. They're all they're all done, all in position. We do that, but it's where we put them for storing. That's the problem. I sh- oh. You should get. A, I should get a designated a designated a designated I coconut. Get a designated a desiccated coconut. I should get a designated hose store that's what i should get you should i hose pipe connectors are the things that drive me insane because uh we they oh, break God, sometimes and yes. so you think okay temporarily i'm going to just take the one from the fruit cage and i'm going to put it on the board on the one near the cool border and so yes. you trot off and do it and that's and then you need to irrigate the fruit cage obviously a few days later and then the connector's not there and you just end up cursing yourself thinking why am i making life complicated why don't i just go and buy some more connectors but you don't do it do you no, I agree. I agree. Do you know the most annoying things is there's little rubber O-rings either on the connectors or on the tap themselves. And then they go. And mm. and they go and you can't get them or you it gets really annoying. So you have to buy more uh, hose endings or hose parts. They are really annoying. And you know, seven years ago, I said, right, we're going to switch everything to brass. 
really posh oh, brass fittings. I haven't, haven't done it yet, so one day. No, we aren't actually. I just want to give you the heads up. Uh, we aren't going to talk for half an hour about hose pipe connectors. Just, Are we? No, we're, we're not. Oh. So oh, please don't fret. But it is. Uh, the more I speak to head gardeners and estate owners and managers, the more I realise that watering actually is such a big topic and water pressure, hose pump connectors, twisted hose pipes. There's a, there is a whole episode in there that we could talk about maybe later in the summer. But uh, yeah, for the moment, it's nice and moist conditions in Colchester, which I'm, I'm very happy about. Talking about showers, I saw just had a shower and I have to say, everybody, I'm looking at him in his free flowing beard. Uh, and oh, hair you... <laughs> um, combo, and it's quite something. Normally, we have Saul's beard and the hair scraped back, but actually, you're you're voluminous in your curls tonight. So, <laughs> when you said I've just had a shower, I was like, no, it's the sun's out now. That was about a few, and then suddenly <laughs> no, I realised what you meant. You have had a well, shower. Well, you, you know, head gardeners have a sh- one shower a month. Yeah. That's a good head gardener routine. Oh. One shower a month, <laughs> usually towards the end. <laughs> okay. It's the Queen's Jubilee coming up. I've got to look nice and scrubbed up for that. She would I? appreciate it. I think that you've done that, and I think um, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm zooming you rather than anything else. Oh. I, I, I tell you something else about the the weather. Well, the climate is the temperatures. Now, something I've noticed, and I don't know if it's the same in Essex, but definitely down here in the West Country, we haven't really had any hot days. It's been very benign. In fact, it was quite cool last night, and I've heard up country it going down to three. Yeah. Two degrees C. So that's interesting. Yeah, this is one of those blips where you actually think spring is here and then you do get... We're not getting frosts here, but yeah, it's gone down to three, four at night last night. And today mm. I've I've had to put my layers all back on again. So it is definitely... the Yesterday and today is cold. I think it's going to get warmer, um, you know, back up into the, the, the sort of higher teen temperatures is what you'd expect from yeah. late May, early June. But yeah, it's you know it's not enough to make you reach for the fleece, but it also makes you think. Oh, should I put my French beans out the other night? My gi- my my gingers are very slow this year, so I'm uh, not going to get as much flour. I have a feeling this year, but oh well. Hey, such yo, is life. You never know; they might such catch up. Life. They might catch up. We may go into uh, I don't know a tropical weather storm over coming over from the Gulf. Yes. I'm sure, that's where they come from. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that may happen next week. So I may have to eat my hat. But yes, at the moment, jumpers. Yeah. Rather than shorts. <laughs> we should move on quickly um, to tonight's loose topic. We've got a loose topic of of, uh, of conversation tonight, which is just getting out and about and seeing gardens, plants, people, the whole shebang. And this has been kickstarted by our, Saul and myself going to Chelsea. And then also we talked about that, obviously. And it was just, again, such a joyous day speaking to people and getting out yeah. and seeing you know our colleagues and gardens and stuff again. So, so good. And then after that, so rather than go straight home, Peachy Keen horticulturist that he is, went to his old stomping ground of Kew. So you had a lovely oh, day yes. at Kew. Tell me about how that, how, how that was. Has it changed much? Did people recognise you? Had the staff all moved on or how did it feel? Do you know, you said in a podcast, and I think it was this year, it's probably quite early this year, I can't remember, that you don't go back to Wisley that much because you just don't like that things have changed. Now, yes. Q has changed, a few personnel changes. There's still a lot of people there that I know. But I'll tell you one thing. When I stepped through the doors of the tropical nursery, which is the behind the scenes, the big set of glass houses where they keep the collections, nothing had changed. Oh, to the point great. where I went to the dry tropics where I had my first placement as a student and they still had the same signs that I created <laughs> oh, 10 years ago. They'd faded from yellow, lovely yellow, to white. <laughs> 
you know, they, that kind of... They'd, a bit illegible, kind of, and, then. And, well, I got them laminated because I thought that's the way to do it. Get them laminated, they'll oh, last. I didn't realise they were going to last 10 years. Did you laminate them yourself? Did this, back I in did. the day? Oh, yeah. gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when lamination machines were the in thing to have, that was the that was the piece of office equipment that yeah. everyone had, wasn't it? A laminating machine. Guillotine and a laminator. You don't, want to get, you don't want to sniff the fumes, though. I remember the old laminated machines. They were quite potent. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, we... we but yes, <laughs> signs were there that I put, put machinery. The whole place looked almost like I'd left it. Really? So <laughs> that, was a nice, that was nice. That was nice, yeah. yes. Yeah. Felt very comfortable, very, very comfortable. Yeah, there has been some staff changes at Q. You know, a lot of people have left that I used to know. Uh, there's only one guy left now from my year on the Q diploma. So mm. I was course 47, uh, which graduated exactly 10 years ago this june so next month so 10 year anniversary coming up but uh there's only one guy paul reese who now looks after dry tropics but uh, there used to be five of us from our year that went on to work at q which was reasonably rare actually for the courses to do okay. because usually you do the course and then they'd send you out into the wilderness like you into do and you become hey that's it <laughs> yeah head gardener here or botanist there or whatever but actually mm. five of us stayed at q and four of us have um all gone uh in different directions but paul's still there but um i gotta say yeah q is an amazing is well i'm sure most people who are listening to this have either seen q on the tv or have been to q hopefully you've been to q if you haven't been to q do go for one experience mm-hmm. it'll take you all day to look around it's a massive place but the plant collection and you know me i although i am a gardener and i do like gardens i love plants and plant collecting so that's my thing. And uh, just to see the collection of plants, go to the Palm House, go to the uh, Princess of Wales, go to the uh, Alpine House, see all the oh. different bits and pieces. It was lovely. Love yeah, that. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so, I, I am on the cusp now because I, I did, as you Ooh. rightly say, I've, I've never gone back to Wisley since I left it 20 odd years ago. I didn't want Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I bumped into uh, some old colleagues at... Uh, Chelsea, Helen Bostock yeah. and Andrew Salisbury. And I mentioned to them that I'd not been back. And they were like, because they still work there. They both still work yeah. there. So they've still got that positive attachment. Whereas I'm just very, I'm a very sentimental soul. And I, I have such fond memories of it. I don't want them to be tainted in any way, shape or form. But they were saying, goodness, you know, do come back. It's changed almost beyond recognition. Yeah, I was going to say, Wisley has all the new buildings. Yes, exactly. New bits of garden, the staff. Yeah. I think most of the staff have sort of circulated out, apart from the few from probably from advisory and science. Mm. But most of the garden staff have all circulated out, yeah. Well, if I do decide to change my ways and visit my old stomping grounds, I haven't been back to Rittle either, Rittle College or Y College, because Y is no longer there anymore. So I think I'd be, I would mm. feel a bit sad about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's gone. <laughs> so, um, if I do do that, I will talk about it on the podcast and I'll let you know my... What emotions it stirs, what feelings it arouses, because, uh, yeah, maybe I need to do it. We'll see. We'll do, you know, see. do you know what I really like is just meeting the new diploma students or new or just graduate students just to share experiences. There's sort of a with a diploma. And I'm guessing it's the same if you're on the Wisley diploma or maybe on one of the college courses. If you meet someone who's done it, I know mm. you were talking to someone about why college on Twitter was it um, Brendan? Brendan from Cambridge. Yeah. Head, head gardener at Cambridge because he was at 
Was it a while? No, it was Rittle. He was at Rittle. But don't worry, you will. Yeah, well, well I'm, I'm close. I'm <laughs> close. But when you meet someone, even though if you don't know them personally, you have that common bond, yeah, and it's lovely. just nice. And the diploma students all over the world. You know, we are an international bunch. So mm. there's people in Singapore. There's people over in the US. And even though you don't might not know them, if you just drop into the conversation, I'm a Q diploma student, and then you find they are, you have an instant gravitation to each other. It just it's like an. Uh, it's like it's supporting like the, Mas- the same football team. Well, I was going to say it's like being the Masons, but football team's probably <laughs> better. <laughs> Secret handshake and all that. Um, exactly. It's just nice to know that people around the world have had that same experience and you have that background to pull on. Yeah, yeah. We need to talk about other experiences as well because, mm. as well as going back to old haunts, or I'm not going back to old haunts and I'm ignoring about it, we've had some joyful experiences encouraged by us going back out and about again, which is yeah. in itself lovely. And uh, we're, you know, everyone's so glad that it can happen now. Uh, I mentioned in the last episode of the podcast that I've been to Beth Chateau Gardens, uh, which I absolutely love. It's my big local garden and it's a very, very special place and looked beautiful. And Saul, you went to a plant fair yesterday, which was Sunday. We're recording tonight on a Monday. And I could see just by your tweets about it that you were honestly on the edge of excitement, if beyond excitement. And And I want to know, again, well, most importantly... What it felt like, who you spoke to, but most importantly, what plants did you buy? Ah, uh, yes, the plants we bought. We'll go into that. It's like Christmas. That's what I'll describe <laughs> it. It's the Trigrayan Plant Fair. Now, people in the southwest will know this plant fair. It's in, it's it's a bit like if you're in the southeast. S- sorry, the north here, but if you're in the southeast, it's like the Great Dixter Plant Fair because it's known mm. as one of the top. You know that one Delicious. top plant fair that happens every year that. Plants people, professionals, amateurs, everyone flocks to because they know it's an incredible smorgasbord of plants, nurserymen, uh, all kinds of horticultural wonders. So, yes, it's the one, I have to tell my partner, Nick, it's the one non-negotiable date every year. (laughs) We don't book anything else. We're not going on holiday. Nothing else is happening, even if... The radio phones up and says, Toby Buckland is not available. We need you, Saul. I'll be, no, it's the Trigrayan Plant Fair. Wow. Goodbye. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> so, that's strong. That's strong words. That's that, that's how strong it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so for people who don't know, Trigrayan is a, well, it's a stately home. It's a, it's a large estate uh, just outside St. Austell in Cornwall. Um, it uh, is owned by um, Tom Hudson. Uh, and his family. Now, Tom is originally from New Zealand, and a part of his family uh, uh, willed his the hat property to him. And I think he was a bit reluctant to come back from New Zealand to, to take on the property. But since he's taken on, he has planted one of the most amazing woody collections you are okay. going to see anywhere in the UK. Right. Just the most formidable plants. And we're talking real uh speciality things from all over the world a, a lot of stuff from uh, uh asia minor so vietnam laos things from america just things that people bring him uh and he plants them out and he's got such a great climate well it's that part of cornwall the south coast of cornwall where you can get away with all this stuff yeah. but i got to say you go into his into his into the woodland part of his garden and you feel like you've gone back two three four no 65 million years. Dinosaurs. Gosh. That's what we're thinking oh, here. Oh, really? Tree ferns, huge redwoods, yeah. big leaf trees, you know, all the kind of stuff that you might see 
uh, if you go back to those parts of Australia or New Zealand, which have been cut off from the rest of the human world for how many millions of yeah. years. So Wonderful. amazing place. No, I'd like to say the photograph I saw of you, I think you were sitting beneath a huge tree fern. And I think was there was. was it some kind of musa or something behind with a huge it, big paddle leaf? Yeah, that was Magnolia dilbata. Was it? The, yeah, one of the big-leafed magnolias. Right. Um, I think it's a subspecies of macrophylla. We're getting, getting very technical now. You are. That's so great. it's a subspecies of macrophylla, and it's the big-leafed magnolia, biggest-leaved uh, magnolia in the world. Mm. Also has the biggest flower as well on a magnolia. For people who don't know, magnolias are one of the original angiosperms, one of the original flowering plants, along with things like water lilies. Mm. Um, they're the first plants to evolve out of gymnosperms, which were the cone-bearing plants, into the flower-bearing plants. So they've got this, they have got this prehistoric feel. And I've got to say, the big leaf one does just feel like you're all of a sudden going to see a brontosaurus or a diplodocus sort of put its neck through the Not tree a and go, hello. We don't have any T-Rexes saying hello. No, t- no T-Rexes. As far as I can yes, gather from the movies, amazing. if you do see a T-Rex, you just sit very still. Right. Oh yes. Yeah. Don't run around with a um, a flare. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park's coming out soon. No, sorry, this isn't a <laughs> this isn't a movie uh, podcast. It's not. But Let's get back I'm to looking garden. forward to Jurassic. Can Park, I ask yeah. you with the plant fair going back to the? Mm. You're saying it's such a smorgasbord of of amazing nurseries and plant people. What would be maybe your? T- this is I don't want to put you on the stop, but say roughly top five, six, seven nurseries that you think. Yeah, I know I'm going to see them at this show. I need myself there and my wallet. Oh, I don't mind telling I could go through those easily. Mm. First one is Krieg, Krieg Plants. Mm. Uh, anyone who knows Sue and Bledin up in North Wales, they'll know they're incredible plant hunters. Um, been all around the world looking for plants. They bring them back and they grow all these wonderful plants uh, that you really probably won't find anywhere else. So they're probably the number one. And they don't do many plant fairs. In fact, right. I think this is now the only plant fair they do since the pandemic and since Brexit, because they used to go to Europe a lot, they were telling me. I think they went to a few plant fairs in France and Italy, which they can no longer do. So the only one they do now is Trigrayans. That's great because uh, they bring all their wonderful uh, and weird, really some really weird stuff if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, Number two is Tom Hudson himself. Uh, They do grow a lot of their own cuttings and seeds at Trigrayan. And I've got to say, he had... A new, brand new, or at least I haven't seen it before, species of Brassiaeopsis, which is these weird Araliaceae. So look, in, you've put some pictures uh, of those on Twitter. And you've that, seen that, them, yeah, yeah. They do look very intriguing. Weird leaves. So usually palmate yeah. and sort of very prehistoric looking. So uh, a brand new species of that I got at the weekend. That cost me... And had he found that so, himself? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So he would, yeah, no, no. This he would have been out Vietnam. I think this this was from would have collected seed. I don't know, something yep. like ten years ago. Obviously, grown the original seed to make his mother plants, yeah. and then this was seed that he got from those Gosh. and has germinated. So second generation. So you just got to think about can... that. Isn't that incredible? When you see the plant on the, you know, we go to these plant fairs and you see the plants mm. on the stand, and you have no idea sometimes what lengths the passionate mm. nurseryman has gone to yeah. to source propagate bulk up and so he'd gone to be he'd actually gone to vietnam to get that that's that's immense isn't it i think that's for people like that if we didn't have them it would be such a shame wouldn't it those enthusiasts and people who are so passionate to the point of obsession about their chosen plant group hats off to them you know they, they do such a sterling job i think 
And it's so important now because of our phytosanitary and mm. imports all changing. Most of us now only have what we've got in this country. So mm. these people have been out and bought it already into this country. This is the sort of the seed bank that we've got to work with now. So mm. people like Tom and Sue and Bledin are really important. They've got these new stuff still coming through. So that's, the, that's two of them. Then there's Penbirth Plants, Jeff and Claire, my good friends from the tip of Cornwall, uh, and they specialise in Proteaceae, Restio, South African stuff, uh, which I've really been getting into in the last sort of four years. Mm. Um, uh, there's two guys uh, called Barricot Plants, which is very much two guys in a greenhouse. You know, the people... Uh, the mad scientist you know Love you've them. met these nurseries yeah. where you go and it's just it's not it's not really all organized it's no, no. a load of plants isn't it and the guys the guys are supremely down. knowledgeable yes. that's it yeah, yeah tumble down but yeah. the plants are sensational yeah well that's it you look in the back of the greenhouse and so go wow i've never <laughs> seen one of them before snatch it up and get one uh, in fact they had a, a new ginger hedicium tahitian flame which is a variegated ginger yeah. which i've added to my collection when you say you've added to your collection that sounds a very grand way of saying i went crazy and i bought loads of them so <laughs> i bought four new gingers so um my collection must be up to something like 40 40 species and cultivars now at some point i'm gonna have to stop because my garden really isn't going to be able to fit all these plants no, 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 in. no that's all wrong don't stop that's when you move house do you know i was on right move yesterday <laughs> don't mention it to me <laughs> i won't tell a soul don't you worry uh, the only problem and uh people probably abroad won't appreciate this but land prices in the uk are astronomical compared to some other places so it's quite hard to get somewhere large yeah, don't, without maybe having don't be to too spend ambitious. a pretty penny don't, don't you know don't financially corrupt yourself just uh look for something slightly bigger I've already done that buying these gingers oh. and this Brasseops, <laughs> to be honest. That's half the mortgage gone. Um, so that's Penberth, Barricot, Krieg and Tom Hudson. And then last, although I didn't buy anything from him, I'll always give a shout out to Lee Betts mm -hmm. of Exotic Earth Plants, who specialises in Brugmansia, yeah. one of our only specialist Brugmansia nurseries in the UK. Now he is, so these other guys, although they're nurserymen, they've got nurseries, whether run-down, ramshackle, greenhouses or really professional setups. Lee actually works out of his back garden with two polytunnels. So he's one of these... I was reading an article in Gardens Illustrated, I think it was three months ago, about micro-nurseries, which uh -huh. are these people that have set up small nurseries in their back garden. And they're usually a, set, a side job. You know, they're usually doing something else, but they have a, a passion for something. Yeah. Um, I could probably do it with gingers eventually, but I think we'll you see. might be on that but, track. Yeah, exactly. But um, he does Brugmansia. So I love my Brugmansia. So and he only lives down the road from here. So uh, I see him regularly. So those are my probably my top five there. There were 15 total nurseries. I got to say they're all wonderful. Hmm. All have their own things. I got to say, if you go there, it's not all just rare, expensive plants. There are lots of more common things but they usually it is tailored to the cornish devon southern coast microclimate oh, so if you're coming from the north uh, i wouldn't say don't loads of people we had i saw three guys from france had come over especially for it so obviously they can get plants back from the uk i don't know how that works but anyway they were up there buying stuff but if you're coming from the north uh just be aware that they are lots of the plants are more suited to our mild 
microclimate. Just have yourself a greenhouse ready for your, on your Christmas wish list. That's the thing to do, isn't it? So well, well, you know, you can grow anything anywhere technically if you put the conditions right. It's just the costs, isn't it? It is. It is. Yes. So we should talk about these wonderful nursery people in that actually come the middle. I mean, we're sort of like the start of the summer here, but by them, I know by the mid and the late part of the summer, they're often exhausted yeah. and they can oh, be God, yeah. ever so slightly jaded. I'm only going to say that a little bit. They're not all like that, but now and then you, you ask them how they are and uh, you feel the weight of the world on their shoulders is, is, is outpoured at your feet, but it's tough. I think these guys who are on that show circuit do a, an amazing job because when you start counting up the amount of shows and plant fairs that are spattered up and down the country and beyond from, say, April through till, now it could be up until like September, even going into October. I know that's when the Great Dixter Fair was that I went to a few years ago. There, there's a lot. So you can often find that nursery people are literally on the road all summer with their lorries and their Danish trolleys, literally just toing and froing getting the stock that they can, um, dealing with the public, doing an amazing service in that sense. But it is tough, isn't it? And I think you have probably mm. got a, a real good insight into that, knowing with your past from organising Chelsea and Hampton Court, you, you really have probably tapped into the emotions of these people when they're maybe flagging a little bit. Joe, it's nomadic. That's how I describe mm. it. They're going from one place to the other from shows, then they have to go back to the nurseries, restock then they're usually off somewhere else you know and sometimes if the shows aren't that well calendared i know sometimes people will go straight from malvern say to uh, another show or for example chelsea at the weekend uh, a couple of them couldn't make it to tregrayan because they were at chelsea but there would be some people who would have packed up on the saturday which was the last day of chelsea last weekend and would have Mm. gone straight to the next place you know Mm. because this it's not how do I describe it there's fine margins based on plants the thing is the more you look after them the more they have to grow is the more inputs you put into them whether it's the heating costs whether it's watering whether it's having to pot them on into bigger size more compost more cost you add to that plant Mm. the uh, harder it is then to get the right price if you know what I mean so the margins mm. get smaller and smaller so they have to get out and sell in volume to various shows to make a living so it is it, it's not an easy life so if you if you ever do come across a nurseryman and they do sound they do sound a little grumpy sometimes they do sound a little moany or and a little bit tricky then it is because they're literally going from one show to another to another, trying to sell all these plants. And then they've got to think about what stock they've got. Then they're already thinking about next year, what they've mm. got to plant, get mm. things ready. It's not an easy It's not an easy existence. Uh, I've got to be honest, gardening in general isn't an easy existence, <laughs> as we know. We do it for the love of it. We do, we do love what we do. And it's the same for these these nursery people. And then think about on top of the selling aspect or the trying to get the customers lots of these places like chelsea for instance also want you to build an exhibit yeah. you know yeah so not on top of being business people they're also artists mm. you know very creative having to think up new displays using plants yeah so you know it isn't easy i'd say i would think you know, it's, it's exhausting it's challenge it's challenging yeah i think the the but when i have spoken to people 
who have got a, a frustration. It's normally because, as you say, a new show has come in or shows have had to change their date. And it's the very tight turnaround between one and the next that causes difficult, like I said, just logistical difficulties. And yeah, you know, either the, the, the geography is wrong or, or like I say, it's just such a tight timing. And, you know, if, if you've got one plant that's actually doing really well and you're, you're selling out of it and then you've got to kind of like ask one of your uh, staff to like bring up a whole lorry load of, of more things to top up all the gaps as, on top of all the logistics that you've got to think about, about just getting to the shows in the first place. Or if you've got staff sicknesses or got, heaven forbid, if the weather's bad at the show and then you're, the visitors don't come through the gate or you've got, a, you know, there's mud and it becomes a quagmire. It's um, on a bit of a knife edge, isn't it, I think? Well, if you know, on top on top of that, some nurseries are specialists. So let's take Seagate irises or mm. um, Primrose Hall, which are mainly peonies. Yeah. Theirs are only flowering for two, three weeks of the year. And most people, if you're not if you're not a seasoned gardener, and, and you can go back to podcasts where we're giving you tips about buying plants, always buy them out of flower is always our tip. But most people are led by their eyes. So they'll see irises in flower. That's what they're going to buy. Mm. And that's when the iris nurseries are going to make the most money at the show. So they've got a tiny window in which to make their whole year's profit, if you know what I mean. So, you know, it's... You you can imagine the stress involved in that, you know, that you have only got a finite amount of time to make enough money to keep you then going till the window opens next year. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I know is, no, I know it's, it's mind tricky. I think that I think this is one thing that the pandemic has bought that so mail order sales have rocketed mm. because people had to buy that way. So a lot of nurseries then had to get their online presence really up to scratch and raise their game. And then people have got more comfortable with buying plants online via mail order uh, and having them delivered by courier through the post, whatever it might be, rather than going to the plant vest. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to the plant vest. I, I, I fully support those wonderful experiences because they are an, for people like you I and anyone who's a keen gardener they are an amazing day out just to hear you talk about your, your visit on Sunday to Tregrayan you know with your animation and excitement about it and what a lovely melting pop of people it was plant fairs are so important to, to have but I say I think that they have rather pandemic encouraged the online presence to strengthen yeah you know we're going to end this but I want to say that we're really right probably well we're not at the start we're sort of at the end of the spring part of the plant fair, but there's going to be a lot of different plant fairs going on, whether you're at the major shows. We're at the NEC in two weeks. God, two I weeks. Know. Um, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. We're at the NEC in two weeks, but you'll also find the smaller plant fairs. Uh, I just want to plug the Devon Hardy Plant Society will be having its summer plant fair at Borough Farm. That's an amazing little plant fair to come. There's um, some really good uh, organisations or companies, the rare plant fair companies that are, mm. t have little roadshows that go all around the place. So check them all out and please go and take a healthy wallet as well because these nurseries really rely on your trade. They've travelled all over the country bringing their plants to us and they're really worth supporting. So take a healthy wallet and bye, bye, bye. With today's podcast at an end, we hope we've given you a glimpse into our respective gardening lives. Spring is such an incredibly crucial time in the garden, so stick with us over the coming episodes as we guide you through the key tasks of the season. Whether it's propagating seeds, planting up borders, thwarting weeds or wielding those secateurs, 
we'll ensure your gardening season remains on track with our guidance and encouragement. And if you've enjoyed listening to us, we'd love you to leave a review via your preferred podcast provider or on one of our social media platforms. Interact with us via our Twitter accounts at GardeningSaul and at HeadGardenerLC. Lucy is also over on Instagram, again, HeadGardenerLC. If you feel so inclined, you can even support us at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingheads. Your support would mean so much to both of us. Spring offers some of the most exciting transformations. Within weeks, the muted landscape around us will become evergreener and more floriferous. We are in for an utter treat. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads... Goodbye! Goodbye!